Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 18. And this week, we're talking about when it's time to go. When is it time to walk away from certain situations and people, and why is it so hard? So sit back, relax, get an iced coffee, because it's finally spring, and let's talk about this. My favorite Taylor Swift songs is actually a bonus track from her album Evermore, and it's called It's Time to Go. And the chorus says, that old familiar body ache that snaps from the same little breaks in your soul, you know when it's time to go. I love this song because we have all been there. There are so many times that I have been in a situation or in a relationship that is no longer good for me. It's no longer healthy. But it is really hard sometimes to listen to our gut and walk away, especially if you have ever struggled with being a people pleaser. So I think this episode is actually sort of a part B to our people pleasing episode. I'd say for most people, it's not hard to recognize a bad situation when it's really bad. If you've never liked the person, it's easy to say goodbye. If the job was always terrible, it's easy to turn in your notice. But If you really liked a person in the beginning, or the job was wonderful when you started, it's a lot harder to recognize a gradual decay in the relationship or the job. And so it's hard to to recognize that it's time to go. Especially though, if you have been a people pleaser, you don't want to hurt feelings. It's really hard. And not only do you not want to hurt feelings, you don't like it when people are mad at you. I hate it when people are mad at me. I hate creating a situation, a confrontation. I'd rather just ignore things and kind of let them just stay stagnant. We don't have to deal with it. And I'll just, you know, fade away like Homer Simpson into the bushes. But sometimes that isn't possible. Sometimes we have to confront things. We have to turn in our notice. We have to find a new church or break up with someone or end a friendship. Sometimes we just have to to bite the bullet and do it the hard way. So let's talk about how do we know when it's time to go? And then how do we do it the right way? Hey, future Amanda popping in here to say I was listening to this podcast back and I realized that I say several times that it might be time for you to leave a church. And I don't mean leave as an abandoned church. I know a lot of times we get hurt at churches and it's tempting to just walk away from church altogether. And that's not what I meant. I really meant that if a church that you're in right now is not meeting your spiritual needs, it might be time for you to find another church. So when you hear me talk about this later in the episode, please understand that I mean change churches, but not absolutely leave church. So let's start with one of the most common and hard places to leave, and that is the hair salon. I have a friend who will go unnamed, but she will know who she is when she listens to this episode. (laughs) She has been going to the same person to get her hair done for decades, decades. And every single time she gets her hair done, she hates it. She hates her hair. She will come home. She will call me and tell me how terrible her hair looks. She will send me a picture and I will every single time say to her, why, why? Do you keep going back to this person when you absolutely hate your hair? She does a terrible job. And my friend, every single time, will say, I just can't stand to hurt her feelings. Now, this one to me is an easy one. If you hate your hair when you leave the salon, don't go back. Find another hairdresser. 
This one doesn't seem like it's very hard, but I get it because you make relationships with your stylist. They know things about you because (laughs) I don't know what it is about a hairstylist chair, but it's like a therapy couch. People just tell them everything. I've had hairstylists tell me that they hear about divorces before they happen. They know who's cheating on who. They know who has alcohol issues. They know who's broke and has money issues. I mean, they've got dirt on you. I get it. But you do get a relationship with these people. And sometimes I suppose it is hard to leave. I kind of have a different problem. I will not say anything in the moment. (laughs) Someone will be doing my hair and I will begin to look like a sloth. My hair will be just like flat to my head. Then they'll bring out the straightening iron and I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. I need a little, a little volume. I need a little zhuzh. But for some reason, most hairstylists are just intent on crushing my hair onto my head and it looks terrible. But what will I do? I will sit there and be like, I love it. We will talk about at some point the accidental mullet that I got in 1996. This is not the episode but we will talk about it. But I will act like everything's fine. I will run to my car in shame and then immediately try to fix it. And I will never go back. I don't have a hard time with not going back, but I do have a hard time with breaking up with a hairstylist in person. Now, of course, sometimes I don't go back because they did a great job, but I just can't afford it. That's a whole other issue. But if you leave a salon and you don't feel absolutely happy about your hair, let me give you permission to never go back again. Do not make another appointment. They have plenty of people that probably love their hair. If you're not one of them, it's not going to ruin their entire career. When I moved to the town that I live in now, I had to leave my hairdresser, who I really did love. Her name is Lacey, Lacey Hubbard. You should go check her out if you're in Huntsville, Alabama. So I had to go to a new place, and I ended up at a brand new salon at a person I'd never worked with, and this lady, y'all, She just kept talking about how everything was wrong with my hair. She didn't like the texture. She didn't like the way my scalp looked. She didn't like the wave pattern I had. And she just kept talking about it the entire time. And then she would say things like, now with your face shape. By the time that I left the salon, I felt like a loser. I went home and looked in the mirror and I thought, are all these things really wrong with me? Do I need to buy all these things? And then I realized, no, she wanted me to buy all these things so she could make some money. But I have no problem never seeing that person again and never going back to get my hair done there. Because if anything, when you leave a salon, you need to feel better about yourself. So if you are like my friend who has been stuck in a time loop with a person that does their hair and they hate it, if you hate your hair, Right now, I want you to go and cancel that appointment. Scratch it off your calendar. Go find someone else. You can have better hair. It is okay to walk away. So now I know I got really passionate about hair. (laughs) My hair is important, guys. But let's talk about something that is really actually pretty hard for me. If you know me in real life, you know that I hate going to the doctor. I hate it so much. I have to be dying or think I'm dying to set foot in a doctor's office because I just have a really deep-seated paranoia and nervousness about being in a doctor's office. My blood pressure goes up. I just genuinely 
feel fearful of it. And it's not that I'm afraid of needles. I'm not. I don't mind shots. I don't have a fear of pain, really. But I don't like the way that I feel when I leave a doctor's office most of the time. We've talked about this in other episodes, but, you know, I have always struggled with my weight. It is something that I probably will struggle with for the rest of my life. But as an adult, I have found out that there are some pre-existing conditions that I wasn't aware of when I was younger that have contributed to making it harder for me to lose weight. And of course, some of these things are mental and emotional reasons, but a lot of them are physical. But before I knew this, when I would go to the doctor I would leave feeling like my struggles were all my fault. I felt guilty. They made me think that they were just disappointed in me as a human. And so when I found out that I had some medical reasons, I was so relieved because there was a part of me that had been blaming myself my whole life and I would not go to the doctor Things would get bad, but they get bad because I didn't want to go in and feel like I was being lectured every single time I went in the office. Now, I want to make it clear that there are some people who absolutely do need medical intervention um, due to their weight. I understand that. But I would go in for things like a sinus infection or a urinary tract infection or one time I fell and hurt my knee. And before they're even getting to what I'm there for, they're suddenly lecturing me about diabetes. What are you eating? Do you do a lot of physical activity? And I just began to think that every doctor that saw me would take one look at me and say, oh, well, she's overweight, so everything that's wrong with her is because of that. And I really had an aha moment this week because I mentioned in the last episode that I had hurt my leg. And what had happened is I'd gotten a really terrible infection from a cut on my leg it had turned into something really serious. And I didn't even realize that I had a bad infection until it was almost too late. But I had a friend that was telling me every day that I woke up and kept telling her, I don't feel good. I'm having chills. I'm nauseous. And I'm sure it's just a stomach bug. And she would say, I don't think it's a stomach bug. Something's wrong with you. You need to go to the doctor. And I'd say, no, we'll just wait it out. Because I didn't have a doctor here. I knew I was going to have to go to an urgent care facility or someplace that I didn't know, and I just didn't want to go. So finally, it got really bad, and I felt really awful, and I knew I had to go to the doctor. So I felt terrible, had no energy, but I was forcing myself to, you know, I got in the shower, I did my hair, I dried it, I sat down, and I'm in the middle of doing my makeup, and I realized that I was trying to make myself look as well put together as possible so that the doctor would treat me like a human being. I did not feel like doing my hair and makeup. I wanted to be rolled in on a stretcher. That's how bad I felt. But I thought, if you don't look put together, if you don't look pretty, they are going to treat you worse because you're already overweight. So they're going to already have that stacked against you. So You've got to do everything you can to prove that you have the right to be sick. And that's ridiculous. No one should have to feel that way. And it doesn't matter if if it's being overweight or if it's having any other pre-existing condition. You should feel completely within your rights and comfortable going to the doctor to discuss being sick. 
it is what they are there for. So when I went into this new place, I was already, you know, I was bowed up. I was like, I'm going to come at them. If they say anything about anything, I'm going to be like, I don't have diabetes. You don't have to test me for it. I am here because I feel terrible. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) But I like my body. I like myself. And I'm okay with the way I look. And if you have a problem with it, I will just go somewhere else. I had this whole speech prepared. And then the doctor walked in and she was so kind. She sat with me. She talked with me. She looked at my leg, and yes, the tiny scratch that I had thought nothing about and just put a Band-Aid on had become infected, and it was giving me a lot of problems. It was causing me to have really high fevers, and she said, I'm so glad you came here because if you hadn't, you would have ended up in the hospital. And I left the appointment very relieved that I'd found a doctor that I like here in this town, that she was able to really quickly find out what was wrong with me and give me the antibiotics, and I'm doing much better now, but I also was upset at myself for waiting so long because I was so afraid of what they were going to say to me and if they were going to judge me. That's ridiculous. Like I said before, if you are going to a doctor who makes you feel guilty about legitimate issues and for being sick and for trying to get better, I want us all to remember that we go to the doctor because we're trying to get better. No matter where you are in your health journey, if you are going to the doctor, you are attempting to help yourself. You cannot be ashamed about that. And you cannot be made to feel ashamed about that. And if somebody is making you feel ashamed of attempting to better yourself physically, you need to find another doctor. It is time to walk away. And I wish that I had really been more of an advocate for myself in that way years ago. I wasted a lot of years that I could have been getting better in a lot of areas because I was afraid to go and talk about it because I was afraid I was going to be judged. Don't do that to yourself. Find a new doctor. Find someone who will work with you on your issues, who will encourage you and help you reach the goals that you need to be reaching without judgment. And I'd also like to add that if you are going to a doctor right now who is making you feel guilty and ashamed, like I said, you need to confront them about that. You need to tell them that it's not acceptable. And I get that that is hard. I have a hard time with that too. So if you can't say it to their face, you can leave a Yelp review or a Google review. Um, I think we can always be professional when we leave those reviews. You can spread the word to your friends and family that this medical professional is not acceptable because they need to be held accountable for damage that they're doing to people emotionally, not just physically. Sometimes they may be technically giving you all of the right answers and giving you all the right procedures, but if they are decimating you emotionally, that needs to stop. So don't feel bad about telling them that you find how they're behaving unacceptable or telling your friends and family that they don't need to go visit that doctor anymore. Because if we don't say anything, it won't stop. And now let's talk about the hardest professional area to walk away. And of course, that is a job. I hate having to find a new job. I've had lots of jobs over my life. But I would always almost rather stay in a bad job Then have to go through the whole rigmarole of, you know, updating your resume, finding your resume, updating it, trying to get interviews for jobs, 
at a time that your current job doesn't know that you're interviewing. It is tricky and it's messy and it's no fun. But sometimes you have to because things are just not working at your current job. I had a job a few years ago that I really liked. I was in my 20s when I got the job and everything went really well. I felt really honored in the position that I was in. I felt very lucky and blessed to have the job. Things went really well for a while. I was not making a lot of money. And then after a year, I still wasn't making any more money. And then the next year, I still wasn't making any more money. But all of my job duties had really increased. I had started filling in for someone while they were looking to hire another position. So I was doing that person's job, but also not getting paid for it. I was beginning to fill in for all of the little holes and areas that they just didn't want to pay anybody extra for. And it was a lot of this attitude of, oh, Amanda will do it. And I just began to feel really used. And I began to get bitter. And then my work began to suffer because in my mind, I was like, they don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I do a good job or not, which is a really toxic behavior for an employee to have, not just an employer. So it was just a bad situation all around. So I finally realized that I had to walk away. But it's hard to decide that. And thankfully, when I turned in my resignation at this job, it went pretty smoothly. But I have had jobs where I did everything right. I didn't hate the job that I was in. I just found a better opportunity. And so I applied for a job. I interviewed during my lunch hour. So I wasn't, you know, stealing time away from my current job to interview for the other job. I gave them a full two weeks notice. I met with my employer before work. So, you know, it wouldn't affect any hours. And like I said, I did everything right. And this person, this boss lost her mind. She got so upset with me. She started crying. She accused me of trying to hurt her personally. She made those last two weeks the worst two weeks I have ever had. And I, to this day, am not sure what her goal was in being so awful and emotional and hysterical and mean because all it did was solidify the fact that my gut was right, that I needed to leave this job. And like I said, I didn't hate the job until I quit the job. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, you're crazy. So I think it's important that if you hear a small voice inside of you going, ah, there could be something better, you need to listen to that. We need to, of course, leave in the right way. Put in the notice that you're supposed to do. Keep working to the best of your ability until it's time to leave. And of course, even then, you may end up in a weird situation. But if you feel a gut twinge telling you that this is no longer the place for you, don't stay just because the place is comfortable. Because the longer you stay, the more unhappy you're going to become. And you're losing time on finding a job that you may really, really love. Now let's talk about my personal hardest thing to walk away from, and that is a relationship that has run its course. And I don't mean a friendship. I mean a romantic relationship. There's been only one time in my life that I willingly walked away from a relationship, and it wasn't because somebody told me to. I just had enough. When I was 13 years old, I fell head over heels for the son of a family friend. He was two years older than me. 
He was on a swim team. He took karate lessons. He was so cool. I thought he was so smart. He was funny. And I was in love with him from the age of 13 through 16. I wrote in my diary about him. I just was so sure that we were going to end up together. And for a while, I think he actually did return some of those feelings. He sent me his picture once. Um, His family came to visit. But by the time his family came to visit, this was about a year into it, I was 14, he wasn't quite as nice to me as I remembered. And of course, you know, he was 16. He was in high school and he had started probably growing up a little bit. And I was still, you know, this geeky kid that was gaga over him. But I didn't notice that. I was just like, no, this is still love. And we didn't see each other a whole lot. We would see each other a couple times a year. But when I was 16, I had just turned 16, my family and his family and a couple other of our family friends ended up deciding to go to an amusement park. And I was pumped because I was like, okay, this is a whole day with this guy in an amusement park. And I had all these thoughts. I was like, we will ride a roller coaster. And when I get a little nervous, he will grab my hand and he'll just know. And that'll be the beginning. Or we will get on a Ferris wheel and we'll get to the very top and he will look in my eyes and he'll say, it's you. And we'll kiss and it will be my first kiss and it will be amazing. I had this all built up in my head. So when I got ready that morning to go to this amusement park, unfortunately, I did not dress with an amusement park in mind. I don't remember exactly what I was wearing, but I do remember there was a lot of lime green involved in both my shirt and my pants. It was the 90s, okay? It was very fashionable. What I did not realize, though, at all going into this amusement park is that there was also a water park that was part of this whole theme park. And it was a pretty big park. Um, and the water park was really extensive. So when we got to the parking lot and everybody's meeting up and I see him and I was the same age as his sister and he had brought another friend with him who was also kind of cute. And we were all four of us going to walk around together. I noticed that they all had swimsuits with them. The guys were wearing swimming trunks and t-shirts and she was wearing a swimsuit under her shorts and t-shirt. And I was like, oh, and they're like, yeah, there's some water slides. We might go down a water slide. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, I hadn't brought anything like that, but I was like, that's fine. So we're walking around the theme park and I began to notice that the guy that I really liked, this guy is not paying any attention to me. And not only is he not paying any attention to me, Every time I say something, he seems to be annoyed. Like I start catching him rolling his eyes at his friend or I started to say something. He's like, yeah, you've already told me that, which let me just say, I remember exactly what I was going to tell him. It is a bone of contention with me right now. He had not heard what I was about to say and he cut me off and I will resent him forever because of that. And that was the beginning of me beginning to be like, "Mm, the worm is turning. I don't think you are who I thought you were. But the ultimate betrayal, the worst part, is we have been walking all day. It's the middle of summer. It's hot. We get to where the water slides are, the water park. And they're all, hey, we want to go down to this water slide. And I was like, okay. And they're like, yeah, if you'll just wait on this picnic bench, we're going to go down the water slide. We'll be right back. And I was like, okay. So I sit down and I wait. And I wait. And I wait. And I wait. And I can see them going down the water slide over and over and then walking over to another water slide and then walking over to a lazy river. Guys, I sat there in the hot sun on a picnic bench for two hours, two hours. I was 
a burned lobster by the time they came strolling out of the water park, having had all their fun. Not one apology was made. If I had seen anybody in those two hours that I had known, any of my family walk by, I would have left. But I didn't see anybody and I didn't know where I was. So I just trailed after them as they're laughing and talking, not saying anything to me. We got back to the parking lot. I did not even say goodbye to this guy. I walked to my parents' van. I got in, put my seatbelt on. And I can tell you right now that I did not think about him again for years. We have never spoken again. It was the fastest I've ever gotten over someone. I knew clearly it was time to walk away. And I wish I could tell you that I have been that definitive my whole life about guys. And I also realized that I said that it was a relationship that needed to end. It wasn't even really a relationship. It was a one-sided relationship. I had made relationship out of nothing. He was not in a relationship with me. But sometimes that counts because you have put someone on a pedestal and you've allowed them to be in your life and they do not deserve the place that you have given them. And I have been really bad about this. I love it for some reason when a guy would tell me things like, I can't talk about this with anybody but you. I've never been vulnerable with anyone else. No one else gets me the way you do. If a guy says things like that to me, I'm like, oh, let me help you. I don't know what it is about me, but I want to be there for them. I want to be their audience. And sometimes I get taken advantage of. And of course, I'm not saying that I am perfect, but I have a hard time expressing any needs for myself. It's a lot like, and you know I'm going to do this, I'm going to go back to the holiday, when Ira Simpkins tells Jasper Bloom, I was too busy being in love with you to ever be mad at you, so I punished myself for years. And that's what I tend to do. And I think a lot of people like me, especially people pleasers, we do this. People are not nice to us, or they drain all of the energy in the relationship, they focus everything on them. It's always about them. They call when they want to talk. They'll hang out when they want to hang out. But you don't ever get that same treatment. If you want to talk, they're not available. Or they make you feel like you're annoying if you want to be around them. And it's just not a good relationship. But you don't want to end the relationship by standing up for yourself because you know that now if you say something, it's going to have to be dealt with and they may leave you and you're afraid of that. And it's only really recently that I had to end some relationships that were that way. One in particular, where I finally just had to stop talking to the person. And it was really difficult because I still liked them, but I realized that what they were doing and the relationship that we had was not beneficial to me at all. It was great for him, terrible for me. And so I had known for a long time that I needed to walk away. It was time to go. But I fought it because I just kept thinking, well, maybe if I just hang on a little bit longer, this will resolve itself. It will all work out. He'll realize what he's doing or he'll change and guys, it just doesn't work that way. If you're in a relationship where it is absolutely one-sided, it is time. It is time to walk away. And while sometimes I think it is good to just walk away without saying anything, cut off all communication, especially if there's any kind of emotional or mental abuse or physical abuse, you do need to just cut it off and walk away. But sometimes I think it really is beneficial for you to confront the person that's hurt you. It's okay to stand up for yourself. That is a lesson that I am learning slowly, but I am learning it. 
I am worth standing up for. I am worth the respect that I can give myself by telling someone the way that you treated me is not appropriate. It's not acceptable. And I won't let it keep going. Sometimes that is how we get closure and we can walk away with our heads held high. One area that we're not going to really talk about much in this episode, because I really think it's a much larger issue that I want to talk about later, and that's when it's time to leave church. There are so many reasons, and that one is a super vulnerable topic. It's hard to talk about, and it's different for everybody. And so I'm going to wait on that because I think that's something that we'll want to flesh out in later episodes. But let's talk about some of the questions that we can ask ourselves to determine if it is time to walk away from a situation or a person. I think the first question we have to ask ourselves when we're trying to decide whether we need to leave a situation or a relationship is, does this bring me joy anymore? Kind of like Marie Kondo, does this spark joy? But it's the truth. If a relationship started out and it was really fun and you really enjoyed it, or you started out in a job and it was great, is it still great? Are you starting to dread having to go into work, or worrying about running into that person because you no longer feel happy to see them. That is your first indication that maybe it's time to make a change. The next question is, do I feel seen and appreciated or do I feel used and bullied? This is sounds like it's going to be easy to answer, but it's not. I'll tell you the easiest way to answer this question. When you meet someone who does see and appreciate you, it puts the person who doesn't in stark contrast. And you begin to realize that the way that you've been treated up till now is probably not correct. When you meet someone who is happy and sunshiny and encouraging and they make you feel important and respected, it really shines a spotlight on the areas of your life that you don't. So ask yourself, is the situation I'm in, is the relationship I'm in, Do I feel happy? Do I feel seen? Do they respect me? Do they value our relationship? Or do I feel disposable? And if the answer is, I feel disposable, then you need to dispose of that relationship. Thirdly, and I think this is especially hard for people pleasers, the question is, how do I feel when I get home? And I know this sounds like a question that's easy to answer, but it's not for a people pleaser because, again, we can tend to be a little shape-shifty. We can be who you need us to be in the moment. And sometimes if we do it too much, we can start to feel a little confused about who we actually are. So in the moment, if we're hanging out with someone or we're in a situation, we can excuse behavior or things that we're not really comfortable with. And then when we get home, we're confused as to why we don't feel good about ourselves. And it's because, again, we've made excuses for behavior or situations that we really weren't happy to be in. So if you get home from an interaction or a job or a church or a doctor's appointment and you feel awful emotionally, that is another clear sign that maybe this is a place that you need to consider walking away. And number four, and I think this is the hardest one, honestly, we have to ask ourselves this. Did I idealize this situation or this person? And was I wrong? It is so hard to admit that we're wrong, especially about things that we initially thought were perfect. 
Sometimes we don't have a person pegged like we thought we did. Sometimes the situation is not what we thought it was. Sometimes the hairstylist is just not good for you. So I look back on that relationship I had or, you know, the relationship I made in high school in my head. And I had this guy as this Prince Charming character who was just going to be everything that I thought I wanted. You know, he came straight out of a Sweet Valley High book. Was it his fault that he wasn't that guy? No. Was it his fault that he left me outside to burn for two hours and interrupted my fantastic story? Absolutely. But it wasn't his fault that he wasn't exactly who I thought he was. I had created someone that didn't really exist. And I think I've done that a lot. I think we all have. I think sometimes we look at a person or situation and we think we know exactly what we're going into. And then we actually get into it. We start a relationship. We start the job. We start attending the church. And we realize that, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And we try to make it work. And sometimes we can. Sometimes we can shift that expectation and we can salvage it from the wreckage and create something meaningful. But a lot of times we need to just admit that we were wrong, stop it, and walk away. So if you struggle with decision making in this way, when it's time to end something, when it's time to walk away. I hope that this has given you a few things to think about, some questions to ask yourself. It helps me to go over these things when I begin to doubt myself because it just keeps me centered. And so I know that if I listen to my gut, I ask those questions and I pray about it. Hopefully I'm going to make the right decision. So in the immortal words of Taylor Swift, you know when it's time to go. So a show that I am really loving right now, and I just started watching it in the past week or two, it's on Peacock. It is called Poker Face. It stars Natasha Lyonne. It was created, and a lot of the episodes are directed by Ryan Johnson, who also did Knives Out and Glass Onion. So it's very witty and funny. And it's about a girl who has an uncanny ability to tell when someone is lying. She doesn't know why you're lying, but if you tell a lie, she immediately picks up on it. And each week, each episode, she keeps finding herself in a murder mystery where she figures out who the murderer is because she can tell when someone is lying. It's so funny. It does have some adult language, but it is one of the best shows. Natasha Lyonne is perfect in this role. And there's so many wonderful guest stars. There are a lot of famous people that show up in the show. So highly recommend it, Poker Face, and it is streaming on Peacock. guys that's it for this episode thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week and for following and subscribing and telling your friends thank you also for leaving reviews on apple podcasts it means so much to me because it does help people find the podcast also if you would like to listen to the taylor swift song it's time to go you can look on our podcast playlist which is just resting church face you can search for it on spotify and it'll pop up if you would like to talk to me on instagram or find me it's super easy i'm at resting church face I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.